I used to have a joke that I was immune to alcohol in college. <laughs> yeah. Because I would drink and I would drink a certain amount of beers Dude. in five minutes. Done. I bet like it's I so bad. Piss it out. Wow. Do you believe in like opening the, the gates or whatever people Cracking say? Like the you, seal. Yeah, oh. If you piss one time. Oh, yeah. it's 100% true, but it's yeah. so hard because I'm sitting there and I just, I don't want to ever feel like I need to go. It's a horrible feeling. Yeah. It's awful. So man. you just sit around all the time feeling like you had to pee pretty much. <laughs> yeah. What, the worst is when I'm going to bed. I'm like, it's like I like I'll sit there and I'm like, all right, I have to get past. I need to go to sleep. And then I'm like, all right, now nah, I got to go. Do you and piss the bed a lot? No, I'm never. Never. never Interesting. What about when you were a kid? When I was a kid, I mean, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. until you're like 17, no big deal. <laughs> Every, yeah. Everyone's yeah. done it, you know what I mean? But Just kidding. I, yeah, like I was – Every night it sucks. I mean, I'm getting up like three or four times before I got to go to bed. Damn. And just like still going. Because I'll chug water. Been on a huge water kick, just drinking water. Oh, I love water. It's great. But like, yeah. <laughs> we're recording Yeah, we're ready. Check this thing out. Grab the KY and get yourself ready. You got some slide to do. Oh, hang in now while TL and the boys. Maybe some critters too. So get your phone and get on the gram. You know. Welcome back to the DM Monday podcast. We're in a new space. We're in our house. We got Mac Hereford, our our guest today. Mitch Bonner's not here. What up? Um, roll Tide, dude. Roll Tide. Yeah. Just came off a big win last weekend. Yeah. Uh, did you go to the game or what? I didn't go to the game, but I watched it on TV. And last year, it was rough uh, watching. I watched it here. I didn't go to the game either. Last year, it was in Baton Rouge. And like I remember my cousin was betting and betting against like the spread or whatever yeah. it was the whole game and then we lost and then this year it felt nice that quarterback lsu's quarterback was balling out dude he is the best quarterback in the sec probably in the whole league yeah he's he's filthy like even before didn't he did he break his jaw that's what i heard in the bama game yeah you know the penalty I know he went down yeah and somebody was talking about that what do you think about that play did y'all see that play I have an opinion, yeah. Yeah, uh, Mitch has an opinion? opinion. What's your opinion? I think it's clean, dude. I think if somebody has that much momentum going forward and their job is to tackle the quarterback, he, it, dude, he was already in the air in the tackle when he released the football. So you can't stop your momentum. You're already in the air. I understand what the rule is for, and I think it's a good rule, but I don't, I don't think it was a dirty hit. I think he was doing his job, and that guy released the football. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there was any maliciousness towards it. I don't. I always hate talking about if it's you know clean or not clean. Like, because one time in the, I don't know if y'all remember, Colorado was playing Colorado State earlier this year. Yeah, and there was a Colorado State guy that the the quarterback threw Shadur threw the ball. It was clearly not catchable, and then the Colorado State guy like nailed Travis yeah. Hunter in the stomach. And I, look, that one I was like, look, he wasn't catching the ball. The ball yeah. had already hit the ground. I was like, you should be penalized for that. Yeah. I just said that on Twitter, and I got absolutely <laughs> roasted. Really? Yes, like, oh, my God, stop being a bitch. I'm like, look, I, like, I said <laughs> something. Like, I don't want all this stuff going with it, so I try to keep out of it now. But Yeah, I got roasted. But, I mean, be- before that hit, I mean, he was taking some gnarly hits, even on some of those long scrambles he had and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. I was just like, man, is this guy ever going to quit, you know? <laughs> He was playing like he was yeah, like create a player out of, out of his mind. Dude. Yeah. It was crazy. 
Um, yeah, but Mitch was uh, rather heated about that. And Mitch yeah. is an Auburn fan, so oh, I mean, he was like, he's like, what are you going to do? Just like stop, you know? I'm just saying if my job is to go out there and tackle the quarterback, I mean, you can't stop a 250-pound man running full speed at somebody. Yeah. Like, and what if you had a pump faked and then he stopped? Like, what is his coach going to do? Like, why the fuck did you stop, dude? It's a hard like, It's a hard thing. Like, I get it. Especially it's, in that kind of game. You know how many people are watching LSU versus Alabama? Yeah. Like, that could be your opportunity. That sack could be what gets you drafted and you just stopped running at him? Like – he could have pump faked and rolled out, and then you never know what could have happened yeah. all because you stopped. I don't 100%. know. I'm going with the tackle. I'm tackling every time. Do you uh, do you go to a lot of games or? In the past, I have. So there's a botch in the name of the radio station, but I think it's like tied one hundred one nine or five yeah. or something. But I would go on the radio down there and would go to three or four games a year since I graduated, and then this year, surprisingly, I haven't been to one. Oh, uh, wow. It's just been I've been traveling a lot, so it's like hard to get back. And I'm kind yeah. of – I love the football stuff. I love, like, the football community in Alabama, the program as a whole. Yeah. But it's just a lot of driving. And then every time I leave Tuscaloosa, I'm like, oh, my God, like, what all have I done? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Trust me, I know. Um, for those of you who don't know, Mac played at the University of Alabama. What years? Uh, 20? 2016, 2017, 18, and 19. All nice. four years. Yeah. That's wild. Good crew. Hey, crew. Hey, there. And what was your position at Alabama? So I played wide receiver. Cool. Yep. Came in. I was originally going to try to do like tight end. I think like an H back position. They had a guy named Michael Nicewander who was a walk yeah, on. Yeah, who I ended him. up yeah. getting a scholarship his junior year, balling out, just an absolute unit. Yeah. And they were like he's a I, big thick guy. Yeah, he's yeah. thick. And, and when I came in, they were trying to tell me that like that's what we kind of want to mold you into. So I was I came in. I think I was like two hundred five, freshman summer. And by the end of the summer, I was like two twenty five. So I was like beefed up and then it came around to like, they needed extra guys at wide receiver, especially for scout team, which I was doing predominantly most of the time. And so I like started cutting, got down to like two eleven, And then that's what I just, we were doing our, uh, we were doing our research on you. Like you took a lot of pride in the scout team. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. It was my game. I mean, most guys, you know, you get the game, but for me, like I was telling someone the other night, like every day I would go in and practice had a pre-practice routine like it was a game. I would go, you know, I'd drink a coffee, would get in the hot tub, maybe a little bit of cold tub. I would go in the trainer's room. I'd get them to like do the little Theragun on me. Um, and then after that, I'd get stretched out. I had my headphones in, blasting some rap music. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to go into this practice like it's a dang game. Yeah. Uh, and then I would go out there and it was, it was just a ton of fun. Like you get to compete at the highest level mm. against all these DBs that I played yeah. against in practice are now in the league. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I'm getting to play against them every single day. It's a huge privilege. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Levi Wallace, wasn't, was he a walk-on too? He was a walk-on. Unbelievable story. So Levi came to Alabama and then he decided to walk on. So my process was a little bit different. I was talking to teams, getting recruited a little bit here and there. And Alabama offered me what's called a preferred walk-on. Mm-hmm. So you come in, you're on the roster, you're on the team. There's no tryout. Um, but they also host walk-on tryouts. Cool. Levi did a walk-on tryout, gets on the team, and then is playing. He's a you know, walk-on, doing scout team, doing his job, and is getting an opportunity in a spring game. In the spring game, he gets an opportunity in that he knows he's going to get an opportunity in. His dad passes away the night before. Oh, wow. So wow. it was crazy, you know, crazy God thing. And then Levi ends up playing in that spring game, balling out. And then it was crazy because college football is a lot of business, a lot of, a lot of politics. 
and Levi still hadn't been on scholarship. He was fighting for that spot. Trayvon Diggs comes in, uh, and it's his second year, I think. So his first year, Trayvon was a wide receiver. His second year, they had him at DB ahead of Levi Wallace, and they give Levi a scholarship that season. Um, and we're playing Florida State. Trayvon Diggs goes down. Levi Wallace comes in. This guy who was a former walk-on, I think at this time he's a junior or senior when he got that scholarship, and he gets a pick, you know, an interception, balls out the rest of the game. Yeah. And still, though, yeah. when Trayvon Diggs was back, Levi moved back to second string. Yeah. You know, and it's crazy. He had this whole journey. Ends up starting at the end of the season, doing his job on special teams as well. Doesn't get drafted. Gets picked up by the Buffalo Bills. And then has an unbelievable season. Yeah. Was like the highest graded rookie mm-hmm. being undrafted, being a former walk-on, having lost his dad. Uh, so he's got a crazy story. That yeah. guy's the man. Uh, what is what is that like? Like, you know, you're all competing for like jobs, you know, on the field. Yeah. It's, so, it's, it, But like anybody knows that – anybody that watches college football knows that like Saban's practices are like the craziest thing, right? Oh, it's <laughs> – it goes so on. like I know that like y'all are kind of like all there for each other, you know, in a sense, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like we got to do this shit, you know. It's, but but like when y'all are competing for like a starting job, like are you like yeah, fuck that guy, or is it kind of like oh man, congrats? It's for the most part, it's all just everyone trying to do their do their job and do it to the best of their ability and work their way up to the spot. It's a pretty cool thing, you know. You would think like in the work world. You have people, and especially, I bet it's the same in the artist world, like, that you have people, you want to beat them out. Yeah. But at the same time, you're, like, friends with them. Yeah. So, guys would, there's some guys, very few, who would come in and kind of feel, like, salty towards a guy ahead of them. Yeah. um, And be like, dang, like, that guy's getting a lot of time with the coach, whatever it may be. But really, at the end of the day, like, we all competed. We all wanted to make each other the best we could be. And whether that's we're getting the starting spot or not, like, guys wanted to play. They're going to work with each other, make each other better. I feel like... I feel like I felt like maybe like a little bit of like competition before I moved to Nashville. But once I got in the game and like real up here and like realized how hard this is, if somebody has a win, I'm like, good for you, man. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm just going to keep working. Oh, 100%. So I guess it's kind of like the same thing. Yeah, very similar. Yeah. I think like before guys got there, you're coming in, you're a five star. I remember one player in particular that was like, I'm going to be a Heisman. I'm going to start at Alabama my freshman year. Yeah. And he's coming in there like, basically saying screw you to the guys there yeah. and then when he gets there it's like a reality check and you get humbled pretty quickly in yeah. that program yeah. um but yeah most of the time guys were just very complimentary of each other wanted each other to succeed i mean even when we had the quarterbacks like i played with jalen hurts mac jones tua um and there were times where like tua came in jalen got benched but yeah still friends you know yeah. what i mean that's like a weird it's yeah, a weird thing tough time. i mean dude that year that um that Tua came in and won the at halftime, and then was it the next year? Uh, Jalen stayed on the team, yep. and then came came back and won us the SEC championship. I say us like I went there, but I'm a fan. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No Alabama fan went there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most of them. But, uh, uh, but that, that was, I mean, that was cool, man. It was like a movie. So you had yeah. obviously. We're in that national championship game against Georgia. So it was 2017 season, 2018 national championship. And you're sitting there like we're playing, we're playing Georgia in the dome in Atlanta. And it's like, dang, like we can't figure this out. Like we're missing some throws here. Guys are getting frustrated. You know, Georgia had the momentum. And then Coach Saban, look, I don't know a single other coach in college football that would take a guy 
who has not really started or played a bunch at the college level and in the national championship game decides two is going to start, comes out at halftime, and we're all kind of like it, – it was surreal. It was like, yeah. holy shit, like yeah. this is real. And then he comes on, throws the bomb to Devontae yeah. Smith to win the game. After we had that field goal that like – Look, I was lined up ready to rush the field. Yeah, <laughs> when we when we had that field goal opportunity at first to win it. Yeah, there was like an interception. What I, I heard there was like a fight on the sideline, like all kinds oh, of yeah. crazy so, stuff. Makai Brown. Yeah. yeah, there was one of our guys got into it with one of our coaches. Makai Brown, Damn. great guy. Uh, there, it was just a lot of stuff. A going lot on. of stuff, and and yeah. then we win. And then the next season, you have Jalen who ho- holds a team meeting like prior to that season, lets everybody know, like, look, I'm staying here. Don't care what the media says going to work with us, try, like working his tail off in practice, being a good supporter of Tua, and then gets the opportunity in the SEC championship game. Yeah. And the crazy thing was my mom, we were at the, we have a banquet every year that's right after the SEC championship game. That's like a, you know, end of the year banquet. People get awards and whatnot. And we're at that. And Jalen Hurts' mom is in a wheelchair after we won that SEC championship. And my mom was like, why are you in a wheelchair? And she's like, Jalen, when he got in, I was cheering so hard that a lot, like my legs hurt so bad <laughs> that I have to sit in a wheelchair now. That's crazy. Um, but that whole thing was is a you know shows like that whole thing we were talking about earlier in the sense of guys wanting each other to win because when Tua won that game, Jalen was the first he person. He was like to smiling on yeah. the sidelines, yeah. and ESPN was trying to rub it in. They came yeah. up to Jalen after he got benched, like, "How does it feel to get?" Benched? Like, "What do you do?" You yeah, know, what yeah, I mean? yeah. yeah. one can be awful, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy, terrible. Um. Oh, yeah. Where are you from? So, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. Where did you go to high school? Went to high school originally at Mountain Brook High School. Cool. I went to Vestavia. Oh, God. Yeah. You're a Stav guy. Yeah. Oh, my but God. See, that's the thing is we didn't call it the Stav back then. That's like a new age thing. I'm 35, so. so, yeah. Did y'all have a rivalry with Mountain Brook when you were there? Um, Not really. We were more Hoover. I was the like in the two-a-days. Before Hoover like became Hoover, like uh-huh. two-a-days. We were, you know, like when I was like. 14 or something we were my 13th birthday we we won the championship oh dang yeah against viger at legion field <laughs> legion yeah. field what that a was spot before, man that was before they played at the out of the hoover met yeah so yeah that's awesome so were you an alabama fan growing but, up? yeah i don't like miss davy either so you're good <laughs> yeah um yeah so I, I was huge and so on the high school thing though went to mountain brook ended up going to a boarding school in virginia not okay. for being bad not being yeah. a bad kid Great boarding school, offered a lot of opportunities. Was it like an all-guy boarding school? All-guy boarding school. Dang. Uh, hey, we, the, the saying we had was like, we don't need guy, our girls at our school because we're doing just fine with yours. That's what we said. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so went to that boarding school. But back to when I was growing up, huge Bama fan. Like we had, so I was yeah. a fourth generation. Uh, and my great-grandfather went there, grandmother, grandfather, you know, mom, aunts, uncles, whatever it may be. Uh, and so I always grew up a huge Bama fan, thought it was everything, you know, when we went to those games, like I would just, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. And I would wear, like I have pictures of me wearing Alabama stuff as a little like infant child. Like yeah. I remember it was like, I always thought I could fight tornadoes. Whenever we had like a tornado in Alabama, I would go out in the football helmet and a jersey <laughs> on it, like, be, like running around in the yeah. yard, like the tornado is not even yeah. close, but like, yeah. Yeah. you know, so I was a big Bama fan growing up. It's all, I dreamed of playing for the tide and, you know, eventually got that opportunity. It was pretty awesome. Uh, so that is cool. Did you ever watch Rudy when you were a little? Oh, Rudy's one of my favorites. Dude, I love Rudy that is one of my, that and Farsco, but I used to, I played football from uh, about six years old. So I got to middle school. 
What position did you play? I played offensive line. I was a fat kid. My brother played center, and I played right guard. Hey, I played and a little I, bit of offensive line when I was in rec league. When I, when, I, when I got to middle school, they wanted me to play linebacker, and I was like, I don't know what to do with all this space. Like, what is going on? Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I, I just – I got into drugs and alcohol at a young age. I'm sober now, but um, I think once I kind of found that, I was just kind of like trying to do that. Uh, you know, partying yeah. and what stuff. age did that happen? Like 13. Yeah. 13? Yeah. I started dr- drinking and doing drugs, smoking pot and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking wild. But I went to rehab when I was 19 and I've been no sober way. ever since. Yeah. What started the whole at 13? Was it just uh, my high parents got a divorce? And then after that, I just kind of started running with the wrong crowd and just. How did you get alcohol at 13? Start running um, with 21 year olds? Well, we always had like an older brother or sister that could go down to the pick a pack and uh and over there in Hoover and, and get us stuff. But um yeah, I mean for me it was just like I started using drugs and drinking and it was just like I was like that was it. You know, that was the that was the party and, and I mean a lot of people gradually like kind of build their addiction. Mine was just like boom. I was just like thirteen years old. Yeah. I can't imagine. I had my like first sip of alcohol when I was like seventeen or eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. Just a yeah, sip. First I time I, I first time I ever got drunk, I drank nine beers, you know. Holy threw up cow. everywhere. Yeah. You were real drunk. You yeah. weren't like that little yeah. kid. I was like, like walking down the street in my underwear to the pizza <laughs> hut. The pizza hut on thirty one for my stepdad or my stepdad to come pick me up because I didn't know how to tell him where I was. Oh my yeah. gosh. But anyways, um when I got to middle school, like I was like, just move me to offensive line. And then like I tried for like I just went out there and busted ass for like three weeks and made first string and then I quit. <laughs> I just wanted to know that I could do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's but, hysterical. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like if I would have had parents that have been like, No, nah, your ass is playing. This is what you've been doing your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Things might have been different. But I might not have ever found country music or you know, so it all worked out. It is crazy how it all works out, you yeah. know, how different things happen in situations like you go from that and then. Yeah. I mean, I could have terrible knees now, you know, I barely <laughs> be able to walk around. Yeah. My back's hurting still. Yeah. I got like <laughs> yeah. back problems. My whole Damn. body feels like I'm like 40 at some time. Now I'm still running routes occasionally. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I saw on your Instagram. <laughs> so uh, I heard you mention earlier, uh, do you do you do cold plunges? Because that's something I've gotten into recently. Really? You're a cold yeah, plunger? I'm a plunger. Dude, I saw John, you know, John Christ, the comedian. Yeah. He posted something hysterical that said he was like, it was a funny, like, I guess, meme style. But I don't even know what you call this type of videos. I'm so ignorant yeah. to different things. But uh, John Christ had a video that was like, I've been trying this new thing, hot showers. <laughs> <laughs> it came out there. I thought it was pretty good. I but have one in the back. It's just like the one you put ice in. You have in. a cold one? Yeah. It's like just one you put ice in. I'll you do it in every morning? Um, I do it three times a week. Um, I like it. I like I, to do like six minutes. Okay. So I've never gotten, I mean, I did it in college. There was a lot of like science back to, you know, your body after you get out of mm-hmm. practice, we would be extreme. Like you're sweating still your metabolism, yeah. everything's going after practice. Cause you're still trying to cool yourself down. So the reason they told us to in college or one of the reasons was look, jump in this thing. It'll completely shut that, you know, part of your body off. And then you just get it, it reset. So you have more time to recover. But after college, I was doing it all the time just because our trainers were telling us to do it. And then after I hadn't really got into it, I seen, you know, it really popped off. Like everybody yeah. was doing it. But I will say it's a great, I need to get one. I was talking to one company about giving me one that I could have yeah. at my house. But 
I haven't done them as much as I should. I love them though. Yeah, my buddy has one at his house. It's like got the actual like chiller and everything. Yeah, yeah. And it's like forty one degrees. It's pretty. That's what got me into it. And then I just got tired of hitting him up, so I just bought one. And it's getting cold, and I'll just put ice in it and go. But there's a place that you can go here in Nashville. You can do like infrared sauna. Then the what is that plunge? Uh, I can't remember the name of it. It's really cool though. Um, but I do it for the mental benefits. Like, dude, it's got I, it huge. Helps. Yeah, I mean, it helps me so much. Like, I haven't had any kind of like. Sometimes I feel like I just get bogged down, you know, just from the constantly just working all the time and, you know, self doubt and all that stuff. But like when I get in there, it's like it just like sets me right for it's, the week. It's shot like that's the reason. I wish I like look. You're. I'm going to get one after this yeah. because well, I thought about grabbing some ice and you told me you were training this morning. And I was like, we should just do a cold plunge before we do this. Dude, we ought to do it. We ought to do it's a cold pretty plunge. Pretty nice, man. It feels you, good. You get into them too? Yeah. I, I mean, I did it because Trey told me to, yeah. but it, uh, afterwards, like the first time I did it, my whole body just felt like good. I don't know. It was weird. My legs felt really weird. And I remember doing them in high school as like a recovery, uh-huh. but it was just different as an adult now. I don't know. It was cool. I it's just, it. There's something about it. It's like anytime anything crazy happens in life, you're like, oh, I can't do this, you know? And then yeah. once you settle in and like, you're like, oh, I can do this. And that's like the same thing. Yeah. Know? I mean, I went and did cryotherapy the other day because it's- That's it's, intense. It's, I want to try it's that. It's intense. Similar concept. I yeah. like it a little bit. Look, it's, I mean, I'm going to sound like a bitch, but I like it a little bit better because of the fact that when you do a cold plunge, you have to put your body in there. You have to submerge yourself. It's like hard. Like even getting into cold water for Mm -hmm. me, I'm like one of those kids who takes like 20 minutes. Like I'm like, oh, it's cold. It's getting up to my armpits. That's like one of the worst. That's when it hits. You put your shoulders under. And it's like, but uh, you walk in and cryotherapy, you open up the door, you walk in, and it's just you're in there, and then it starts, and it's like you realize you're already in, and you can't get out. Yeah, you're sitting there yeah. like I did it. It's recently. like the chamber. Yeah, yeah, it's a chamber, and you're like, is it like all the way to your neck? Oh no, it's a whole. It's your whole like, body. Depends how it is, but the one I was in was a box, yeah. like a box thing. And you're in there, and it's like you're in a refrigerator. How long are you in there for? Three minutes and thirty seconds. Yeah, and you can feel the difference when you walk out. Yeah, I oh, mean, I mean, it hurts. Dude. It, it's cold. Like my hair is getting like white, and like my like eyebrows are getting white from like <laughs> the coldness. My buddy, I, I went to high school with. He has a gym right there in Vestavia, and he has one. Oh, that's so clutch! Yeah, I want to yeah. try that. I tried it once, like probably six years ago, when it was just like probably kind of unheard of, and I was like, "Man, I don't like this. I need to get out of here." <laughs> <laughs> but all that to say, yes, yeah. I do. I I don't do it that much i should do it more i want to get one i think cold plunging is great i I know there's like all the science all these benefits the one that i've seen the the best benefit now is what you were talking about mental you don't really get a chance like we're all you know the world gets more and more there's more social media like your brain doesn't have a time to shut off yeah and i think it's when you get in that cold mode like you're just your whole body is in this like shock and so your brain finally gets a chance instead of focusing on 10 billion other things it like shuts off, yeah. you know, and then you feel like pretty nice after. I noticed the other day that, you know, I've gotten so used to watching football games in the 10 minute highlight clips because I'm always playing a show when, <laughs> when the game's on. And now when I like sit down and watch football, my brain slows down so much, I'll just fall asleep, sit on the couch. It's crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I got to tell y'all, there's one story I wanted to make sure because I haven't said it and I just remembered it on the way here. All right. From that kind of describes that like we were talking about walk on scout team and stuff and loving like the whole scout team. But we had so there's summer camp. It's summer camp. And in summer camp, we have seven on seven later yeah. in the day in the afternoon. Yeah. 
So no pads, you're in gym shorts, t-shirts, whatever, and no coaches, official coaches, like our position coaches, whatever, can be on the field when we are playing seven on seven. So they're all sitting up, I think it's legal, in the uh, offices, <laughs> and and they're watching us from the offices. They have like tinted windows. You can see their silhouettes up there. And in Alabama, we had practice field right here, practice field right here, and then a third practice field. So we're on practice field one doing this, and there's no official depth chart at this time. It's kind of like kind of a ones and threes, twos and fours mm-hmm. type deal, but no one really knows, and they don't really tell us that we have a depth chart when we kind of know they do have a yeah. depth chart. But it's a chance for like newer, younger guys to learn the plays, learn the concepts, get out there, compete. Yeah. Um, so we're on this field, and we got this guy named Josh Palais. Yeah. This is Palais's point is what I've called this story. But uh, Josh Palais, 6'6", walk-on quarterback out from California. And he's one of those guys who's very charismatic, funny, you know, has high ambition to play. And you're like, I don't know if he's going to play or not, but like he just, he wants to play, believes he can play. And so we're out there doing the seven on seven, no coaches out there. And I think that one of the quarterbacks, there's a mix up or something. There was an opportunity. And this guy, guy, he has some conus. He goes out there like to take a rep. When I think <laughs> he wasn't told to take a rep, he goes out there, he gets back in the pocket. Everyone's like, holy shit, Palais in. He takes the snap, rears back throws a bomb receiver catches it in the end zone everyone's going nuts especially the walk-ons this yeah. was like a walk-on moment like yeah. we're like there's one of our guys like <laughs> josh palais out there mm-hmm. and the best thing is he daps a couple people up but the next thing is he looks up to coach saban's office oh, and he just points he does like this he points directly at him <laughs> oh, no. and looks at him and points at saban and goes like this and we didn't know, no one will ever know if Coach Saban saw that point or not. That's yeah. one of the questions I want to <laughs> yeah. ask Coach Saban someday is, do you remember that walk-on quarterback that pointed at you? But that will always like be a memory in my head of like one of those times where like the walk-ons, we had like a small yeah. victory, yeah. you know, yeah. Palais point. Like I wanted to get it painted. It was like that, there's that picture yeah. of like Jesus and <laughs> someone else's finger like touching heavens. Like that's what I imagine this. I want one of those like nice that's big great. paintings of that guy. Does, uh, do you ever get chewed out by Saban? Oh yeah. I got chewed out numerous times. I mean, there was times where it'd be for small stuff. I mean, the details matter at any, yeah, in yeah. any program, but that was one of the best things about Alabama is like, it doesn't matter how good you are, you're yeah. going to get ripped for the details. And it was the year they were trying to tell us to keep our knee pads over our knees. Yeah. And it's like, we all have knee pads and no college football players wearing knee pads over their knees. If you yeah. watch guys on TV, they're up here mm-hmm. over their knees. It's kind of weird, but I don't know why we all do it. I guess it's just more comfortable and there's a little bit more swag to it, but I would always you know, test that rule a little bit. And we would go against the DBs and coach Saban would absolutely rip into me. And then there's a clip I posted somewhere that was from the pre-national championship game with Clemson. Uh, I was getting really frustrated. The the DBs were holding me again. I took practice like it was a game. Yeah. And coach Saban, like I, I was fed up and I was like, screw this. I tossed my helmet behind me. And Coach Saban, just like I like look at my helmet, it's like going. It's almost like one of those like dust balls in like a Western movie. You see my helmet, it's just like keeps going and going and going. I'm like, shit. And then I look over and Coach Saban isn't focused on the next play. He's looking directly at me and just starts ripping me. Like I I don't I can't say all the things he <laughs> yeah. said because I yeah, we don't want that out there. But he is saying these things to me, and that was one of the biggest moments that I got ripped. And the thing I always did is I looked him in the eyes because I think one of the biggest things was he almost fed off of guys that would be, you know, 
show note like just take the heat and say yes sir yes yeah that's the kind of way coach saban was you needed to be a guy that was confident you know you messed up look you gotta own up to it you gotta look him in the eyes and it may last pretty long and it may be pretty cruel yeah but at the end of the day he was right like i shouldn't be throwing my helmet i just let my you know let my mental get to me a little bit do you think he went in the uh, locker room after lsu scored that touchdown right before the half and just broke everything Oh, uh, he probably he goes. So he goes. I, I was like, I was like, I told uh, my buddy, I was like, yeah, Nick Saban's about to break everything in the locker room. <laughs> he probably went pretty nuts. The way it worked was if, if at halftime the coach, Coach Saban, would go in his room, whatever. The coach would have a little time, and then it's just players Slam first. The door. <laughs> so it's just players, yeah. and we're sitting in there, and we're like, oh god, like everyone's yeah. like knowing what's coming, and then the position or the offensive defense coordinator would come out, and then Coach Saban would come out. And I guarantee you, he absolutely ripped into those guys. Like, very valid to do it, too. But he that's why he's one of the best second-half coaches. He comes in yeah. there, and he's ripping into you, but he's also telling you what you're doing wrong, you know, making the corrections needed. But, yeah, he definitely – he probably broke a couple of things. Have you been out to his lake house? I'm not – yeah. Well, I've been out of Lake Tuscaloosa. Yeah. I've been around there, but yeah. I haven't really, like, been in, in his it. lake yeah. house. Yeah. yeah. We had a b- – before Dick down in Dallas, I was uh, – <laughs> I played in a cover band. I did, um, you know, we played like frat parties and things like that. And one time we got pitched to play his like, I guess his lake house party. We didn't get to do it, but I was like, man, that would be awesome. That would be nuts. I noticed the Zydeco. Is that yeah. Zydeco in Birmingham? Yeah, Zydeco in Birmingham. We did that yeah. show with uh, Adam Hood. Oh, that's a, so big. A legend. Um, yeah. And so and how did been, you guys, how did you and Mitch meet each other? It's a long story. Yeah, super long. We'll tell it to you if you want. Yeah, to hear yeah. It. I mean, I want yeah. to hear it. Let's Let Mitch hear it. tell it. Um, so I grew up. I was adopted by my grandparents. Okay. So me and my cousin grew up like brothers. And where'd you grow up? In Montgomery, Alabama. Okay. And Alabama uh, boys. So me and my cousin were brothers. We played every sport together, like literally every team, since we were like four years old um, until high school. High school, I moved to Wetumpka. If you're familiar, yeah. I know. So I, I went to Wetumpka. He stayed in Montgomery. Okay. And uh, his path got a little dark. He started doing drugs. And uh, we, since we separated, I didn't really know him that well as an adult. Um, then I guess you fast forward like six years, I start working in country music at, when I'm at Auburn. And what were you doing in country music at the time? I met a guy that I went to Auburn with. Okay. Who, Clay Barker, who was good at music. And I was like, hey, let me like market your shit. And I ended up being his manager. So I met Trey at Zydeco one night and I posted his song on my Instagram story. And my cousin Cody called me and was like, how do you know Trey Lewis? I said, I don't know. He's just some guy from Birmingham, plays music. And he was like, well, that's the guy that was my intake at rehab. He's the one that saved my life. I was at a, worked at a treatment center for six years after I got sober. No so freaking I was way. like, oh, fuck, that's cool. Like, and by this time, my cousin was sober a couple of years. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, cool. Like, you know, I just put that in the back of my head. Trey Lewis, pretty good guy then. Um, fast forward about three years, it was time for me and Clay to graduate and move to Nashville. So I called uh, Trey and I was like, hey, dude, I don't know anybody else in Nashville. Uh, where should I live? And he was and like, I've only been living up here like six months at the time. Yeah. And he was like, dude, I hate where I live. Let's get a place <laughs> together. And uh, at the time, uh, East Nashville, dude, not my spot, you know. Yeah. So at the time, we we're like, all right, cool, let's do it. And uh, Ella went to Auburn as well, and she was dating Clay. So we all just moved up here together and kind of yeah. winged it. And then Mitch convinced me to put out Dick Down in Dallas, and I did it. And 
here we are. How'd you how'd you convince them to do that? Uh, COVID hit, so all of all the shows stopped, and we were all doing like cover shows. That's how we paid our bills. And I remember one day I was like, "Hey guys, like we're gonna go hard on social media. We're not gonna be like other artists and just chill." Um, so I was like, "Hey, let's all get on socials. Let's do these lives everybody's doing. Like, let's get after it." And you know, luckily they were all like, "Fuck yeah, let's do it." Yeah, um, he told me about TikTok. I down- he downloaded it for me, like made my page. Yeah, and I was like, "We got to get you on this." And uh, Dig Down and Dallas was a joke in the house. It was like a work tape that we would sing at bonfires. Yeah, and uh, I was like, "Hey, dude, this song is catchy, and I think if we market it right, like people would buy it." And uh, Trey always used to say, I don't give a shit about shit. <laughs> and I was like, dude, if you really don't give a shit about shit, put out Dick Down in Dallas. And he came to me like two hours later. I was like, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's put it on TikTok. Oh, and, my uh, God. Well, the first viral video we had was like Facebook. And then from there, McKinney, one of the guys that wrote the song. He's yeah, I met, George, I met he Matt. Matt McKinney. He's yeah. the man. Yeah, good he's, guy. A, he's a Georgia alum. Yeah. Big Georgia fan. And... Uh, we ended up living together for a little while, but he was like, uh, he 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 got it put on Old Row because he had like some contacts from Old Row when he was in college. He used to get videos put on there, and then it went on there. And then I posted a video of us in the studio. That was like the first video that like really it got like three million views in like four hours or something. And so wait, Mitch, you were doing so. How, how did you figure out this like? marketing what made you want to do marketing in the first place and were you doing like the video were you taking pictures videos already or were you mm-hmm. just had a marketing knack yeah no i wasn't doing that yet i um so i graduated high school and i knew i wanted to go to auburn and my uh, right after i, I mean, graduated you? <laughs> right after oh, i graduated man. i started a clothing company with one of my best friends okay and it was fun it was doing good i went to auburn and i met a show promoter so I started sponsoring shows in college, like with my clothing company. So I was doing like Gorilla Zoe, Waka Flocka, Kid Ink, and Juicy J shows at fraternities all over like the Southeast. I went to one of those Waka Flocka yeah. uh, concerts yeah. at, at Auburn when I was in high school. Nice. That was, yeah. So I was probably there. But uh, <laughs> we did Juicy J in Tuscaloosa, a big one, okay. like in a parking lot. I don't know much about Tuscaloosa. But um, so it went well. I flunked out of college, though, because of how well it went. Like, I thought I was the man. I was partying. And I was like, fuck school. I don't need school. Like, look what I'm doing without it. And I was just really ignorant. Um, So my grandpa was like, you have to move back home. I'm not paying for that. So I moved home and I got a graphic design degree. I joined a two-year program because to help with the clothing company. And I finished that program. And that's when I was like, hey, graphic design is not it. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and I moved back to Auburn and I was like, Auburn is what I've always wanted. So I was like, I'll do marketing. I went to my graphic design teacher who was really cool. And I was like, what do I need to do? I hate graphic design professionally. And he was like, dude, you're really like, you know, charismatic person, do marketing and team them together. And so I was like, fuck it. Uh, so I went back to Auburn and I was like, Hey, I got two years of graphic design. And they were like, yeah, we're not taking those. You got to do all four years. Um, so I restarted and that's when I met Clay. Okay. So I had marketing and graphic design going into, you know, COVID. So I kind of had it in me and I knew what I wanted to do, but I wasn't like recording or anything yet. So I I didn't have a camera. In this video, so y'all are in COVID, you've convinced Trey to put this song out there. 
you released the song independently? Yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, we put it out independently. Um, it came out December 1st of 2020. And who are you using? Like, so at this I time, just, like, you I had- just used, like, a, uh, they're called 1RPM. They're just like, they, you know, you can put music out. You just upload the artwork and. Is it like a distro kit? Yeah, it's like a distro yeah. kit. Okay. Yeah. So you use one of those, you put it out uh, there. And it's a billboard number one. How, how did that? Right there. Uh, oh, I, you know. I know the song. Well, uh, <laughs> my, my cousin, shout out to my cousin David Faulkner. We beat he, out, he loves yeah. that song. Hell yeah. We beat out uh, BTS that week in sales. Oh, the my pop God. Group. Yeah. That's they incredible. were I, they were like him come, on Twitter. They were like dude. coming after me on Twitter. I had, <laughs> had like a probably like 300 followers on Twitter. They were fucking kind of, roasting him no on Twitter. Way. It was yeah. brutal. So wait, but you release you released the song. Were you doing anything? Did y'all do anything leading oh, up? Oh, we to did it? everything. I mean, it was it was such a viral thing that we spent no like zero money on promoting promoting yeah. it come out. But Trey had a team at this time. So Trey Bonner, who's our other co-host, make was making the videos, and then he already had his manager Alex Cape. So like he already had like a background they started, ready. For yeah, they it. started making merch and like you know. We were we were getting these tours planned, like coming out of COVID. It was crazy that <laughs> year. We nuts. played 140, 41 shows or something like that. Dude, it was the weirdest things. I'd come home and I remember one day he was like, uh, "Hey, do you know somebody named Riff Raff?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course." <laughs> he was like, "Man, he keeps texting me. Who is that?" And I was like, "Dude, you got to look him up. He's great." But I will say this about Mitch before we go further on that. Mitch was always like in the living room, like watching like Gary V videos. Oh, and, huge like, Gary V guy. Like watching like uh like videos with like Scooter Braun and like plotting and scheming of like what the next thing Dude, was going to be. And still. he's he's it's still like that, you know. Yeah. So like and that's the coolest thing about us working together now, you know, back then we were just doing whatever, you know, but it's like but our relationship is still kind of the same even though that, you know, like he works you know, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. he gets paid to do his job now, you know, but it's like, I feel like, you know, with me, he can be like, Hey, let's try this. I saw this, you know, where like, so I can kind of like be his guinea pig on some things, you know, because yeah, he really can't fun. just go to like some artist that like he's working for that's like on a major label and be yeah. like, you know, try this weird, try idea. this weird idea. Like, you know, we can just, so it's fun with Trey, but before we go too far, I want to also bring up a point that I like to point out, like, you know, not to make it weird, but we went from like the lowest parts in our lives, like where I thought my cousin was going to die from addiction. And I remember like crying about that and be like, this is it to where we are now. If that addiction would have never happened for my cousin, I would have never met Trey. Yeah. When I, we, get chill. I got chills when yeah. y'all said the story. The we first maybe would have never, he might've never put down Dallas out if that never happened. We wouldn't be where we are now with, you know, living in, you know, great houses with great trucks great friends, great professions. And, and like, I just like to point out that like whatever low point you are in life, like God has a plan. Yeah. So like, sure. without a doubt, keep trucking and believe and trust in him. Cause like, it's, you know, I was at the lowest dude. I was like, my cousin's going to die. Like, yeah, well, even why is this happening to me? God, like, we were sitting on our, uh, I remember we were, I was sitting on the edge of my bed and I was like, his man. bed was on the floor. I was like, it's a mattress on the floor. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Hey man, how much money you got in your bank account? <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't even know how to make rent this month. Yeah. yeah. So, but, so he always has a plan when you question him. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a crazy time. Like, so, and I've got a question on it. So, okay. Let me like, um, cause I, I don't, I like coming into stuff yeah. and not knowing, like yeah. I know plenty of people That's probably great. know every yeah. single thing about yeah. you, every whatever, but the coolest thing is, so you guys, you all have your friendship, and you're convinced to put out this song, 
and it's you have no you're not really putting any marketing dollars behind it so you literally have a number one hit yeah that is off of social media off of just virality is a banger what did it were you like what was the dopamine like was it just crazy were you like stressed were you anxious were you extremely happy like what Uh, was that feeling it was just crazy it was really um a crazy time in my life but i mean it just like it just validated all the crap that I went through to get there. You know, I was like, oh, okay. So it is all worth it. You know, I'll never forget like driving in my van and being like, okay, God, if this is like, all I get to do is play in a cover band on the weekends and write songs here in Nashville. Like, that's cool. I'll do that for the rest of my life if that's what you want me to do. But I was like, wouldn't it be cool to have just like a little bit of success to show people that if you never give up and chase your dreams, it like works out. Cause know? he had been doing music for like nine years at that time or yeah. something. Crazy. Yeah. What, what got you into music? So when did you start? So music? when I, when I got sober, uh, I worked at tropical smoothie in Hoover next to Sam's. Yeah. <laughs> so you went from tropical and, uh, smoothie worker to number one. And, okay. uh, yeah. So I worked there and, um, I was living in a halfway house in Bessemer. Okay. And, uh, you know, when you go through the 12 steps, you go back and make amends to the people you hurt. And I went and made amends to my dad. And me and my dad had like a strained relationship, you know, of course, when I was on drugs. That's what drugs and alcohol do to to a man. Um, but I went to him, made amends, and I was about six months sober. And he asked me if I wanted to move in and live with him. And I was like, yeah, I hadn't lived with my dad since I was like three. Wow. So uh, I moved in with him. Me and him became like best friends. It was awesome, man. And um I decided after about a month or two of living with him that next paycheck I got, I was going to buy a guitar because I was like, why? Well, you know, they say idle hands is like devil's workshop, you know, and I was just like, I need something to do. Okay. That like, and I, and like right before I went to rehab, I would like go to my friend's house and he had this like shitty electric guitar and he had like this little, (laughs) uh, this little line six pod. If you play guitar, you know what it is. And, um, I learned the Wish You Were Here Pink Floyd little intro. And I just knew that that was like cool, you know? And I yeah. remember like sitting on the steps at rehab and singing uh, Jayco and starting with me. And I was like, if I can get sober, I'm going to buy a guitar and learn how to play that. And like, I grew up with like uncles that played guitar and I always loved to sing. But um, I was like, if I can just get sober, I'm just going to like do that. So you, just, picked up, you picked up the guitar, you learned so it. So I went and bought the guitar. I taught myself how to play it. Had a little chord book. I took like two lessons. I was like, screw this. I just want to play and make noise. But like from the first time I played that first chord, I was like, oh man, this feels like better than anything I've ever done, you know? And uh, I don't know. I, th- I feel like, I always say, I feel like I got sober and like, like really got sober, you know, not just like get my parents off my back, get somebody off my back. Like I really like did the work and, and you know, like did everything I could to like, get myself right and i feel like once i did that god was like okay here's your gift go share it with the world yeah you know yeah that's awesome and uh that's what i did so So you just what you learned you said you took two lessons and then you just kind of learned like i've always been a guy i've I've wanted to learn guitar but i'm like dang i can't read this like this thing i need yeah I, i still don't know music i'm not very great at guitar but i'm good enough to write songs and you know make stuff up so and then you started right, so you get that you start right, and then singing like I like you were singing your whole life, but you didn't really you had no coaching on that, or did you have? I didn't really have any coaching on it. I mean, my mom had an elaborate karaoke machine, which she still does now. Um, so <laughs> I mean, like like I said, we grew up going to the beach and stuff, and playing guitar and all that stuff, and um, yeah, I just I just kind of went for it, you know. 
That's fascinating. So then, okay. And I know, I'm sorry. I'm no, you're cool. You're doing I, the interview now. Yeah, I like cool. this. Cool. I like this. this <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So when you, so you get this number one, yeah. what does it look like after that in the sense of like, okay, are you signed with a label now? Did you um, like, like were people reaching out left and right? Like, yeah, it was crazy, man. We, we the first show we played was December for or December 5th, my birthday of 2020. So the song comes out December 1st. We play the show in Statesboro, Georgia at the Blue Room. <laughs> the best place in the it world. It is crazy, dude. I mean, every time we play there, it's crazy. But I mean, I've got the number, I've got the number one song. <laughs> That's like it. Nuts, but dude. the whole way there, you know, it's eight hours. The whole way there, my manager shows up to Nashville. We get in the van and he gives me a pair of AirPods, which I still have. It was my first pair. I never, not even know what AirPods were, you know? <laughs> I mean, I did, but I, you know, I was like really nice. And we were on the phone all day with taking label meetings. And um, I had labels from, uh, offers from every label in town. And um, thanks to Cole Taylor, which he's a songwriter in town. I don't know if you know him. I know, wait, I know Cole. Yeah. He lives out at Old Hickory. Yeah. 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 I know Cole. Play golf with him. Um, Great guy. Cole Taylor gave us a recommend recommendation through uh, Bradley Jordan for my attorney, Scott Safford. Okay. And Scott Safford, he's one of the best here in Nashville. Shout out to Scott. Um, but we did, I just spent so much time talking and, you know, we had, we had an offer of like, I think $2 million was the biggest number I saw come across the table. And just with the COVID and everything, I just, I just didn't sign anything. I just, I mean, I knew that song wasn't ever going to be on the radio station, you know, <laughs> and I would, I was like, well, I'll just own this master and, you know, just ride it out. And we did, but I ended up signing a publishing deal with Sony Music Publishing. So okay. now I, I get paid to write songs. That was always a big dream of mine. And then, um, oh, I guess it was about a year and a half ago, I signed a deal with Riverhouse Artist and, um. So, but I still own a lot of my older catalog, that and stuff. And then the stuff I'm doing now is go forward. And I got a full record coming out next year. But the coolest thing about Dick Down in Dallas, I will say, is that, you know, we had all these friends here in town, like Matt McKinney, Joy Beth Taylor, Ella Langley here, you know, my roommate. And um, one thing that song did is that it shined a light on our friend group. You know, everybody got publishing deals. Everybody yeah. got, you know, record. Ella has a record, you know, deal now. She just had a song come out with Co Wetzel, you know, like she's crushing no it. Nuts. Um, you know, and, and just to see everybody, it changed everybody's life, not just mine, you know, and that's the coolest thing is, you know, like we were saying earlier, when you see your friends win, I mean, that's what it's. That's what it's all about. So, that is unbelievable. Yeah. Just a group of people messing just a group around. Of people just messing you come around. Come out with the song. But that, that's what they say. It only takes one song. And I mean, that's to change your life. And, you know, I mean, I mean, dude, if I was doing anything else, like any other job, I'd either be making minimum wage or like cutting a lot of grass, you know, yeah. my high school dropout. So, you know, hey, cutting grass is fun sometimes. I don't know about you, but I hate it. <laughs> I pay somebody to cut my grass. <laughs> I might be in the business. Yeah. It depends what you're paying. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I used to cut grass in high school. I did like a little thing. I would, and I loved it for some reason. I put on the AirPods and just go. Yeah, just yeah. go. But so is, you played football. I've. I want to know how you. Have you always been like super charismatic? And I found some interviews you would do on like Media Day with your like fellow like you know, football players. 
How did that come about? Were you always like the funny, loud, liked kid or like were you shy and that kind of helped you get out? Like, have you have you always been that kind of? Yeah, I would say that. So, you know, love the way I was raised. I'm one of uh, five slash six because we kind of have it's kind of an adopted brother. It's hard to explain. and won't get yeah. all that. But uh, so I had a lot of siblings. I was the youngest and the youngest is always, you know, learning a lot because you have all the older ones to look after and always had someone to hang out with and went to I think boarding school was a pivotal part in just you know developing my own self like mm-hmm. you're, you're not with your parents so I remember getting there to boarding school and looking up at the ceiling I'm in a bunk bed and I'm like what the hell have I done like this is nuts like yeah. I went to military school so I, I guess that's a lot worse probably. I got kicked out <laughs> was boarding, they, were, they were nice to you at boarding school though right it's not yeah. like a punishment at all no, no and this in Woodbury Forest where I went to school unbelievable school great school and, and you know just a lot of opportunity but it was just hard in the sense you're away from your family and yeah. I loved my parents I loved being around like we did a lot of family dinners or whatnot um, but I guess there I, I developed this confidence and I loved just doing dumb stuff like making a funny video at the time when i was in high school would be snapchat it'd be like a funny snapchat memory like i could go back and find these funny memories and you know instagram wasn't too big but starts like get pretty big and then was vine a thing vine was maybe a thing i never got into it which is surprising like i never got into vine um but then like yeah i just had these like creative videos that i wanted to do and i wanted to like have fun with people and create something and then moving on to college like when I got to Alabama, I think because I'd been off by my own, you know, I come in freshman year and I'm with a bunch of other guys who haven't been on their own, you mm-hmm. know, they've, they're with their parents and with their families. And so they come in in that class, like I've got a little bit of confidence because I feel like I'm at home, you know, yeah. I feel like I'm at home yeah. away from home, especially Alabama. It's Tuscaloosa. Yeah. I feel like I'm more home than I was, at, yeah. you know, in yeah. high school. Cause I'd been to that campus so many times. And so I think I just was comfortable and I always loved, you know, including like other people into things and, so that kind of made me this just like, I just loved, you know, meeting people, talking to people. I love communication. Yeah. And I guess in the locker room, I just slowly and slowly started to be that guy. I wasn't afraid to like, when I walked in there, you know, everyone was a, was a teammate. doesn't matter if they're the star player or not. I wasn't really afraid to talk to anyone. Uh, so I started talking to people and then just TikTok comes out and that whole thing, like, you know, it was funny. We, we started doing videos and my stuff started popping off. I was one of the first SEC players, if not the first SEC football player on TikTok. And nice. it wasn't doing anything cheesy. It was more like we're in the locker room. We have personalities. You know, we do fun stuff. We mess around. I shit talk more than probably anyone on the practice yeah, field. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we get in the locker room and we're just messing around. And I was like, let me capture these moments. And so I started doing it. And then the interview thing came up because I, I got interested in that stuff. And I liked being on camera. I'm just one of those people like I, I did broadcasting when I was in ninth grade back in Birmingham. And then it Woodbury did some like stuff as well where i was doing some camera stuff or whatnot and just love doing it and this group alabama.com birmingham news yeah. had an opportunity to well they had one guy walking around interviewing players and the guy didn't really love doing it and i was like gosh this is sick like he's getting to do this at media day so i'd like talk to them and they're like wait you want to do this and like, yeah. you would love to like prepare and do it and i was like yeah so i started doing it with them every like college football playoff media day sick. i would be their guy they went to and it was just fun because I had a different relationship with every individual on the team and there's just yeah. different guys. And so it was a good way to bring out my personality and guys felt comfortable talking to me. So I could go up to anyone and just mess with them, like ask them yeah. some questions, you know, that they didn't feel was like your general, your regular media source. And they knew you like, had the best, like, uh, 
the best intentions. Yeah. My, I think so you, they knew you weren't going to try to fuck them. So it was like, cool, I can talk to Mac. A hundred percent. Yeah. I was never trying to like make anyone upset or, or do anything. I literally just being just the goofy yeah. guy, you know, asking questions. So that became a really fun thing. And that, that definitely led into me enjoying that more and more to when I graduated, continuing to some, somehow be in that world. Yeah. yeah. So the podcast is called DM Monday because when everything happened, Trey's DMs went crazy. Like, you know, we had weird things from like, uh, I, I'm, I, got I don't know. I got one the other night. Let me pull it up here. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. So, but my question is like, as an Alabama football player, you know, and we don't have to go into super detail, but like, are your DMs crazy every Saturday night? Or like, you know, like, do you see some like, some of the starters that are like, you know, maybe superstars, like are their DMs just going nuts? I can only imagine it is. Yeah. Like, when I was at Alabama, there was, I mean, look, for the starters after every game that you played well in, I'm sure your DMs were blown up. You see guys like we had a guy this year. We, I'm not on the team anymore. <laughs> there was a guy this year. More on the team uh, than us. Yeah, more on the team than <laughs> us. A freshman, a freshman tight end. And I remember he got on Instagram live and it was like, he, he was shocked. He was yeah. like, holy shit, there's like 3,000, 4,000, whatever yeah. people in here. And he didn't have that much following, but their D, people's DMs would go crazy. For me, when I got to experience it was, yeah, after a big win, big game. But especially after like when we won the national championship, my phone was like, brrr, like just yeah. listing off like yeah. text messages, tweets, Sick. Instagram messages. It feels pretty good. I mean, it's, it is pretty crazy. And then still now I'll get something, you know, DMs about Alabama, sometimes trying to shit talk me about Alabama or something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was during that time the DMs did go pretty wild pretty nice yeah, i can imagine dude what do you do you ever uh lose faith in saving like like some alabama fans do no i guess like I, it's the way i was programmed i yeah. mean we're all like you know you yeah. come into that that facility you come into that program and coach saban just got a way of like getting you to invest in the process to a, to an extent that i can't even really describe my dad was always fascinated we would have five stars come in you know could be the number one guy any other school in the country. Yeah. But these five stars would ride the bench one, two, three, even four years. And yeah. they're still there. And yeah. it's like Coach Saban had a way of just like someone said it on something the other day. It's almost like you're brainwashed. You yeah. kind of are. Like you're like, he, it, but it worked. The system's working. Yeah. You're doing the right things. You're seeing you're improving in the game. Um, and then you're seeing success. So you believe them and you trust them. All that to say now, like, the things he's done, even when it goes to this season, hasn't been the best season for us. We haven't yeah. looked like the best team that we've been in the past. That defense, but, though. Oh, it's looking real good. Yeah. But the Jalen Milrow, you yeah. know, Coach Saban sat him for a game. Yeah. And people are like, what the heck's going on? These other quarterbacks coming in. Well, all this to say, like, th there's not many coaches in the country, any maybe any coach, that, again, like that decision he made in 2018 National Championship game with putting two in that are going to make that decision to say, Hey, let's bench this guy yeah. for the purpose of, you know, I can't say exactly what his main purpose was, but I think it was to help him one solidify to the fan base. Like this is our guy, yeah. but also to get that, let that guy take the back. Did you notice second. like after the, the Texas loss, like how Milro like stepped up and was like, this is my responsibility. Like all that stuff. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, um, that's it. He, I saw him do that. He's a good, he seems like a great guy. And what do you think about the, uh, the NIL stuff? 
Do you just wish it was around when you were there? Or were you like, <laughs> look, part of me, the train. you say you're a huge Gary Vee guy. I had a yeah. chance my junior year summer to go out and hang out with Gary Vee for a little oh. bit in New York for like a week. But Gary was telling me, or I was talking to his brother, AJ, and they were like, if you have one more year, like you should definitely consider it. Cause yeah. like, you know, I could make some good money. I, for personally, like selfishly, yes, I wish that NIL was there when I was there because yeah. I would get, yeah, hey, you would have got everything. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I would have had a lot of money coming out of college, uh, which would have been nice. But looking at it now, it's a very, very complex thing. I think that, you know, should guys get paid? Probably so, just because mm-hmm. the university makes a crap ton of money yeah. off of these guys. The NCAA makes a crap ton of money off these guys. Um, on the other end, look, we're getting a scholarship. We're getting an education, which I think, like, education has kind of been devalued over time, but it's still super mm-hmm. important. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of arguments for food, against it. clothes. Yep, food, clothes, travel. Yeah. Like they sat us down one time because some a guys charger, you know, living. <laughs> you get a free place to live. Yeah, you do. Time. You oh, do get a Dodge Charger. Like, yes, no, no, no. Uh, oh god, clip that. Slip up right there. He said yes. Oh, no. He said yes. Oh no. Uh, but all that to say, I think the only thing with it, I think that it should have been something addressed earlier. I don't think. Maybe there's not a right time that it should have been put into place, but I think it's a huge challenge because they've introduced the NIL and it's like the wild, wild west. It is. You it's know, nuts. You can't, there's, it's, it's hard to track certain things. Like obviously there was things going on beforehand at every university or school probably in the country, but now it's like you have like a, there's a reason, there's a way you can do these things. You can make these things work. And I think it develops one, it's, it's a struggle for coaches Cause they're like, what the hell do we do? This was just put in our lap. It was like, you just got put this whole thing and you're like, oh, we've got to reinvent the wheel a little bit. But uh, yeah. for players, I think it's a challenge too, because you got guys that are making more money than other guys. And at the end of the day, everyone's playing on the same team, putting in the same amount of work. Um, and you have guys making a bag and then look like if I, I can't lie, like if I saw someone, I'm like, dang, that person's making more money than me or a lot more. Like I'm putting in the same work and yeah, they may be starting on Saturdays, but it's still a hard concept to grasp. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like I'm out here paying for my tuition, and he just got a million dollars. Yeah, exactly. We're doing the same thing. Yeah, so it's it's so all in all, nil. We could go down that rabbit hole. It's a very. I don't really have. I, I'm not as knowledgeable about it as I should be. Yeah. Need a read. Like what me? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't I didn't have it when I was there. People Fuck have it. said I should get involved with it now and try to do something business wise with it, but uh. I just don't really know enough about it. And it's just like, it's, it's crazy out there uh, with the NIL world. What I was and the, the thought that popped back in my head to say, again, that there was value prior without NIL. Like guys just, we take some things for granted. I mean, especially at Alabama, they took us one time and they're like, cause I think some guys were mentioning it. Like we want to get paid for whatever. And they're like, look, y'all realize y'all have flights. Like we get flown out to all these away games mm-hmm. that, that costs some money. Oh, trust me. I know. You know, I mean, I got 10 guys in my crew and I got to book flights and I'm like, geez, dude, booking a whole entire massive plane. Yeah. You get police transports to and from everywhere. We're going in these buses. You got the bus fees to pay. You got, we're getting food every week, you know, mm-hmm. free food. We have chefs. Like we get the workout, workout equipment. We're getting nice equipment. We're getting clothes. We're getting all these things. And I think a lot of guys take that for granted. Like, that's a lot of and money. And then you go from having like really no concept of money because yeah. I've, I've been there too to having a ton of money. Yeah. It's like, what do I do with this? You know, like how do you stay, you know, that's a whole nother thing. It's like, how do you stay focused on what's important? You know, it's the game and 
you know, your career and all that stuff. You when know? you got all that money, what yeah. were you think? Were you like, what did you uh, do? With I it? mean, um, uh, you know, Muscadine Bloodline, you know, yeah. those guys, Gary they're from and Charlie. Birmingham, aren't they? Yeah, they're yeah. from Mobile. Mobile, okay. Alabama. Um, best piece of advice I got during that time was uh, Charlie sent me a text and said, don't sign anything until you get your first royalty check. And uh, I got my first royalty check and it was like six digits. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> What do I do? Like, what, I mean, I, I think it just sat there in the bank for like eight months. I didn't even, I didn't even know what to do with that. You know? I know what he did one time. What, what did he do? do? He called me. Oh, and, God. Uh, I'll never forget. He said, hey, because uh, Trey didn't, Trey doesn't care about like nice things that much. And I do. Like, I look up cars all the time. I know everything about it. And uh, he was like, hey, what's your dream truck? And I said, well, probably a GMC AT4 2500. And he said, okay, cool. That's what I'll get. And he hung up. <laughs> and he went to the dealership and ordered one <laughs> for himself. Yeah, for myself. <laughs> and he was like, I thought you were about to say nah. he gave you one. And I was no, like, if I had that kind of money, I would. He did and, get uh, one, though. Yeah, he, uh, he had it. And he left me the keys one weekend. He went on the road. And he's like, dude, drive my truck this weekend. And, you know, naturally, you know, your first instinct is like, no, I'm okay. Thank you. But then I was like, damn, that is my dream truck. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'll drive it for just like Friday and Saturday. And uh, I fell in love. I was like, this is my dream truck for a reason. I love it. And I started looking them up and I was like, I can't afford this. And then uh, I got a uh, I got a job and got paid well. And I was like, maybe I can afford it. And I looked them up again. I was like, no, but I can afford the 1500. <laughs> and so I went and bought the 1500. They're sitting out there. They look identical. Yeah. Oh, but, look uh, at you guys, truck guys. Yeah, that was fun. So. How did you transition from football to work? And did you know what you wanted to do? Like, did you know you wanted to stay around football? Or were you just kind of like lost? How did, how did you get in Nashville? Were you like, what am I, well, you got your education. So, yeah. So I got I, four, you years, four years at Alabama. I don't really. Uh, football scholarship? It sounds so Alabama. Business. Uh, it's probably going to be like crops. and No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> that's, that's, Auburn. that's Auburn. Auburn <laughs> does that. <laughs> Auburn's crops Farm and dust, dust, yeah. dust farming, if that's a thing. Yeah. Uh, definitely not a thing. But, and losing. Uh, <laughs> losing <laughs> a bunch of barns out there and stuff. I mean, I don't even know. Uh, everybody that. always gives me those Sky bar is pretty cool. I will say that, though. <laughs> I've never been that bar. All uh, right, what's your major? Let's sorry, hear. my major at Alabama. Like, God, this is going to make me sound Alabama, and it's just not meant to sound that way. But this is bad. I don't even know if I. I don't really know my like the first. So what? Okay, <laughs> let me take this back. My my first major was public relations and communications. Okay, yeah, that's, that's normal. What I, that's what I was in, and a bunch. Of, we had a, a couple other guys in those majors, but I. uh had public relations and communications. I was coming up on my fourth year. I got a start in a spring game, kind of felt myself a little bit like, okay, like, you know, if I'm starting to spring game for Alabama, I can probably play somewhere else and get good time. And, you know, finally, and Alabama was my dream and I wanted to complete and graduate while playing in Alabama. So I wanted to graduate early enough that if I wanted to transfer for a fifth year grad year, could go somewhere and get, you know, good education and get a really the main thing was a good opportunity to play ball and really play and compete out there on Saturdays. And so after I think so, I graduated in December, got my A club ring, you know, felt like the, the Alabama door was closed. It was wrapped up. You know, the four years was over. And so I put my name in the transfer portal and it's Oh, and shit, my major, I ended with a different major because I wanted to graduate faster. So I just talked to our tutors and was like, what major can I 
turn this into to get the yeah. credits quick enough and take the classes. So that's why I don't really know. I forget the name of the major that's on the yeah. diploma. Should get look that up. Uh, but I didn't even get a diploma. I was like, no, nah, I don't care. <laughs> but I uh, so graduated and then I was like, all right. So I put my name in the transfer portal and it's just now coming COVID time. So mm. a couple of schools are reaching out. The very first school that reached out to me was Vanderbilt. Nice. Uh, there was a long snapper who was my freshman uh, freshman year roommate at Alabama, Scott Meyer, went on to play at Vandy and played for Vandy. Um, and, you know, so I was already talking to him and I was like, all right, I'm going to go. So I end up talking to a couple of schools. It was really hard during COVID with the recruiting process. You can't really go anywhere. You can't get seen by anything. I was training with a guy named Devlin Hodges or Duck Hodges, who you all may Duck, know. Yeah. He's the man. We, we were sneaking onto fields yeah. and getting like kicked off by the cops. Wow. I know people, that name. People were, he, uh, Devlin, he played for the Steelers, played for Sanford. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dates Laney now. Dates Laney. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, we were sneaking on the fields, getting kicked off. I remember we, some, Karen came up to us, was yelling at us. I was like, look, we're just trying to get in a couple routes out here. You Have you know? seen that video where that, that guy's like, I'm trying to fish out here. She says, you can't fish out here. You got them <laughs> stupid pants on. <laughs> I haven't seen that. I mean, I just want to fish, ma'am. Oh, no, no. Hell, you can't fish. You, ain't, you don't know how to fish. You don't even wear the right kind of clothes. You got damn stupid shoes on anyway. Where'd you get them ugly britches? <laughs> but uh, all that to say, it was just super hard. And, and Vanderbilt was like, yeah, we have a spot for you. I went in and I remember the first time I got to go, my cousin was at Belmont playing college tennis at the time. And I'd already met some met some people in Nashville. I love music. So there's country music scene, big city, cool city, whatever. I go to a visit. And the visit I had, I went to Aldine's the night before with some guys, Vandy guys. Almost, I'm just going to come clean with this now because of the coach, sorry <laughs> oh, no. coach, but I went out really hard that night yeah. at Aldine's and I'm staying at my cousin's like apartment. My phone turned off. I didn't have a charger. And so I wake up the next morning. I was supposed to be in the coach's office at like 1030. So I get up, my phone's off and I'm like, I just got to, I was supposed to set an alarm. Like my phone's off. I haven't showered. Haven't done anything. I'm like, I got Alcohol's charge. Alcohol's just coming out of your pores. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, I find, I go to my car to plug in my phone. I'm plugging. I'm like, please don't be 10:30. Please don't be near 10:30. It's like 10:10, and I'm like, Damn, oh god, I got to get there. I haven't shout. I was planning on shout. I'm supposed to make an appearance to the coach and the, the water receivers coach and the, the head coach. So I rushed to the thing. I still have the outfit I had on from the night before. It looked cleaned up a little bit, you know, like yeah. brush my hair and stuff. But make it to the office. Had a great meeting with. Uh, Aaron Moorhead, who was the head or the wide receiver coach at the time, and he sat me down and for like an hour and a half, two hours, went through the plays with me, went through my film, like made it feel super personable. You know, mm -hmm. in Alabama, I had to develop that relationship with coaches throughout four yeah. years. At Vanderbilt, like, look, this guy was already ready to invest in me, had a spot for me, showed me where he was going to let me, you know, where I was going to play, what I was going to do for them in my role. This stood out a lot to me. And then he ended up leaving before i got there mm -hmm. sent me a text he's with i think he's with the eagles wide receiver coach now but all that to say ended up at the end of the day going to going to vanderbilt and saying that's where i was going to play my last year summer camp rolls around we're in COVID. it doesn't feel like football i'm in a new place new program i mean alabama vanderbilt yeah completely yeah, completely different, different sides different. of the sec yeah. still league, SEC football. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but i get there and i'm like holy shit like there's all these new people i got to learn all these new plays we're wearing masks like constantly throughout the building and it's just like was that hard to like stop wearing Alabama gear now since you're going to when you're playing at a different school? I'm sure he still showed up in his Alabama shorts. <laughs> no. Uh, Did you have to like make it like be like, all right, cool, I'm going to leave all this shit in Birmingham? Yeah. And I I'm left all get new my Alabama shit. stuff at home yeah. and was, I was invested. I was like, look, yeah. my, my, you know, 
I'm going to go to Vanderbilt. I'm going to be a part of this team. This is my new home. You know, they're, they're like, so I, I go there and it's just tough. Like I'm telling you mask and football and we're having to go in four different groups. We're not going as like a whole team out to run conditioning. And it didn't feel like football that I was used to. Yeah. That sucks. And it really challenged your love for the game. So that summer camp's going on. I end up losing one grandparent who I was really close to in uh, Alabama and then my dad's mom. And then a couple weeks later, I lose my mom's uh, dad, who was, Man. Both, was extremely close to both sides of grandparents. And so was really down, you know, mentally. It was already challenging with COVID, mm-hmm. all these rules and things we had to follow and didn't ever go out. Like, I'm in a new city. I can't even go out. Like, getting a test. I'm getting a test, getting a test yeah, like, yeah. every other day. Like, it was just Dude, a ton. And I was like, damn, okay. And then I lost this family. And I was already I was in a mental funk at this point. And then first game of the season, we're in the warm-up, and I'd already – I'd got full body cramps at the end of summer camp, and then from having to play every tight end position, which is a whole other story for because of COVID protocols, the tight ends all yeah. were gone one day, and I was the guy who knew all the plays. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but did something – like had full body cramps and then did something to my hamstring, like pulled it, whatever, uh, strained it, whatever, it was bruised, that first game in the warm-ups. And so I'm like, holy shit, like – I'm here like this kind of sucks right now. I'm in this new city. I live by myself, mm-hmm. you know, not able to see my cousin or hang out with him and his friends. Can't really do anything. We're yeah. not supposed to. Um, and I was so invested in the ball is all I thought about every single day. And so eventually talked to coach Mason, Derek Mason was the head coach at the mm-hmm. time. And just, just literally was like, look, like we talked three days in a row, spent an hour each day with me, which spoke volumes of him and his character. Cause I don't think there's, Look, I hardly spoke to Coach Saban at, at yeah. Alabama. This is the yeah. head coach of this program taking hours of his day out to talk to a guy and come up with a decision. And I said, look, I'm going to opt out. We had that decision to opt out so you could save another year of eligibility. Yeah. So I opt out. I go back home, come back to school. I'm doing Zoom classes and stuff, whatever it may be. Uh, finished that year, and I felt just lost. Like mm-hmm. I'm talking about like I was down bad. I was on the couch every day going to Zoom classes like – was waking up like right before class, wasn't really even paying attention, wasn't a great classmate. So I, I apologize, first of all, to all my classmates because yeah. some of them <laughs> I had some struggles with yeah, um, and, and went, got into it with uh, because I had all this stuff going on. You mm-hmm. know, I lost like two yeah. grandparents who meant a lot to me. I'm done with football and being done with football for me was like Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. It's like when you're in, you know, I've never been to prison, but like it was like that feeling like I've learned everything this certain type of way. I've invested everything and my identity has gotten wrapped up into this. And it's like, is it gone? I'm sure that's hard for any player. Any player. It, it was, it was horrible. Like, cause I, and and I realized like I was like an identity crisis. I'd put so much into that and needed to have put more into my faith, more into like family, friends, other things. Now I had some business stuff going on. Like I'd worked for some companies and was networking in college. So I had stuff going on where I'm making money. And able to like buy things and and feel fine financially. But it ain't about that. It's just about uh, like what makes you feel like you're striving. You know what I mean? And I didn't feel like I was going anywhere. Yeah. I was down. I'm telling y'all, I was down bad. I yeah. had no yeah. clue what my next step was going to be. I I was just in a horrible mental funk. And one day I just said, "Screw it!" Like, got to do something. Went out and started training with a guy named Jeremy Holt, who trains like Kittle and mm-hmm. uh, Robert Tanya and all those, you know, bunch of the premier tight ends in the league. And started training with him, just like training. I had no purpose. I didn't know what was I trying to play ball. Like was I was I trying to go to the you league? Just was I trying to, to do something? I was that just was doing close something. to competing. Exactly. Yeah. And so I was out there every day. Started training, and then that's like kind of okay. Now I'm working out. Now I'm like doing these things that are good for my body. I'm getting outside. 
meeting some new friends, met a great friend group through all of that that are now some of my best friends in Nashville. And then today where I am is like, look, I've got this one side of things where I'm doing some social media stuff because I've been, you know, blessed and thankful for like the platform that Alabama gave me. Um, and then just would like getting opportunities on there. So I have a current, you know, partnership with Dick Sporting, Dick Sporting mm-hmm. Goods. And then uh, on the other side of thing, I have like a, what I call the business entrepreneur side, which is where, you know, consulting for startup companies, trying to get equity and then uh, giving them creative consulting, connecting them to people. And so I've been just hustling, doing all these different things, but I've gotten to the point where like, look, I've had a consistent, you know, client or person I'm working with on this end. And then on this end, I'm making money off some social media stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so I've been doing just random fun stuff, trying to figure out what that one main thing is that's going to drive me that I'm going to love like football. And, you know, I don't have it figured out, but I'm in a Well, from the outside looking in, it looks like you do. So <laughs> you're doing a good job. I think the thing I have figured out is that I don't have it figured out. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. really know. But I, at the same time, I'm look, I'm doing things that make me happy. I love yeah. I love getting to, you know, I'm not working a nine to five day like I'm, I'm getting to go out. Come here, talk to you I'm guys. You're working like, right now. Yeah, it's the best job right ever. Now. That's what I'm saying. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, you just get paid to be yourself, man. It's, That's it's, the coolest yeah. thing. It's awesome. So I, I loved that, and I'm trying. I'm working on some cool things coming up that y'all will see here about. Um, hopefully, we can get you on that podcast I was talking yeah. about. Uh, but doing some cool things and really trying to do like a revamp right now. Really like working on my identity too. Is who I am faith wise. Like I think that again, one of the biggest problems when I got out of that college football thing is I was a Christian christian the whole time believe Mm -hmm. in god but like then when i get out of it like dude if i really had a good relationship with the lord then it wouldn't have been as challenging yeah i wouldn't have i wouldn't have fallen off after um dictown of dallas came out like a year after that i started going to therapy and i've always you know through my sobriety and stuff always had a relationship with christ but um that really you know taking care of my mental stuff and like like you man i mean i lost my my grandmother went through a divorce and uh and my dad died when i was 26 too so i had like just a bunch of loss back to back to back and then went through a divorce moved to nashville song blew up and i'm just like what do i do with all this you know so i had to like you know take a second and just like get all that back back going yeah that's similar and that's kind of the place i'm in right now is like look i'm i've done some really cool things i've had unbelievable opportunities um, i'm in and i'm working on like look i'm financially stable you know what do I, where do i want to be what's the main thing to me which is like i want to be a husband want to be a father want to raise kids like okay how do i get there and what am i going to do that's going to make me happy and I, look a lot of the things i do right now do make me happy yeah but it's like i yeah. do think for me i need to find like that one big thing or you know two big things i want to invest my time in and so I'm at that point, like, look, made a great bit of money and made, you know, some great friendships and relationships, but I'm in therapy. I'm doing a little yeah. bit of therapy myself, yeah. doing a little bit of uh, reading a lot more scripture than usual, praying more than usual, and just really trying to, like, dive into, like, look, it doesn't have to be a rush to get anywhere. You know, I need to make sure that I feel good yeah. and, and nothing can determine that because then, you know, life's going to have a lot of ups and downs. We're going to have the you're gonna have the number one and then there's gonna be years where it's not you know, you're not you don't have the number one yeah. and, and it's like if you let those be the things that determine your happiness you're never gonna be happy and exactly. i see people just chase Chasing chase them. chase chase dude like they don't you gotta get like you don't want to be getting it when you're 39 40 50 mm-hmm. years old like figure it out now like spend some time get your mental right you know have your foundation those things you you know latch on to when it gets tough and then it's like from there i think you'll be a lot 
a lot better off. So I that's agree. what we're trying to do right now. What's your uh, what's your go to spot in Tuscaloosa? Ooh, I love Baumhauer's. Baumhauer's, of course. Baumhauer's is Baumhauer's great. is my favorite place on earth. So uh, we had a Baumhauer. Wes Baumhauer played with me at Bama. His yeah. Parents. Yeah. Yeah. Or the but if you're doing Bob like, if you're doing grandson, like I guess. pregame, you know, what's your what's your spot? I would probably say not even pre just a great spot for eating wise. I always loved Buffalo Fills. Buffalo Fills. It's on the corner. You ate there or there, Tuscaloosa. You didn't like it. I mean, their wings are like the size of my pinky. They're teeny wings. But see, the I'm a weirdo. I don't. Wings, I didn't even get the wings. I got the. I would get the same thing every year in college. It would be a chicken strip sandwich with bacon and cheese and their French fries nice. every single time. Never it was decent. Order. It was just. It had a good atmosphere. Yeah, but the food was in. Eh. It was all right. I See, wanted, but I wanted Baumhauer's, and we went with our sound guy Nick, and I was parking the truck, and I was like, it looks kind of packed. Run in there and get us a table, and I'll park. And I parked, and I love Baumhauer's. My number one, like if it's my birthday, I want Baumhauer's. And uh, and I was like, yo, I, I hyped it up to some of the band guys. I was like, you're gonna, you're gonna love it. <laughs> and Nick's like walking back, and he looks like like disappointed i was like what's up he's like i don't know they said something about a fucking coach is in there and i was like oh saban's doing his fucking radio show at this bomb hours yeah because i was play, like yeah we're never gonna get a seat here Thursday. yeah <laughs> i was like we're never gonna get a seat dude let's go and we so we had to go to buffalo field is that what you called it yeah and so i wanted bomb hours so no matter what at that point i was gonna be pissed off so yeah. i was like yeah this is okay i guess and are you, so are you like a um a galettes rounders Wait, before I say that, there's right. one other place. Food, right. food places. Chuck's was great, Chuck's, obviously yeah. high end, and then you got five. Yeah. Uh, there, there's some good places. I was so um, – again, I, like I don't know a lot about a lot, to be honest. Yeah. That's what I tell people all the time. I didn't eat that many places, yeah. and I was there for four years. Haven't even eaten that many places in Nashville besides like a lot of fast food chains and stuff. But was uh, – Canes, obviously. Yeah, Raising yeah. Canes. I went to Heat Pizza, became a staple. Yeah. If, have you been to Heat Pizza? No, nah, I used to eat the Chinese restaurant next to Moe's. Uh, okay. Chin or whatever it's called. Chin. So, I lived behind Galette's in stadium apartments before that. Oh, tore no down. way. Yeah. That's a good spot to be. But I, Heat Pizza Bar became a spot. We started doing – it was, you know, guys, we went there on Thursday night game week and started tradition. It was me, my friend Giles Amos, who was tight end from mm-hmm. Georgia, Pierce Quick, who was an offensive lineman from Bama. And we started – it was just us three. And our other buddy, Jake Ruttenberg, actually tagged along for one of the first ones who wasn't on the team. But it started to become a thing where the team always went there. Great pizza, great food. And then we would use that whenever we had a bye week or whatever the time would be. That would be a great pregame spot. Yeah. Getting pizza, drinking the beers. Uh, and the owner's a great guy. So I love that. I love that spot. Uh, but for bars, it's crazy. I, th- I went there for four years. Mm-hmm. I don't think I went to like – it's a ton of bars. Like yeah. I, I can't even name them off the top of my head. I didn't go to all the bars. Yeah. But uh the ones that were my favorite while I was there, I loved Innisfree. Yeah. I loved Galette. I, I used to play Innisfree and like, man, I saw like uh Damian Harris in there. Yeah. Uh, Mark Ingram in there. I saw yeah. him in there. Um and then the little what's the little restaurant next to it? Hooligans or Hooligans. something. Like that. Yep. I saw Derek Henry in there one time. I made him take a picture with me. He was like, Hold on, man. I'm trying to get my food. <laughs> I was like, Too bad, we're taking a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Innisfree was a spot. I loved Galette's. Both those are great. Galette's was wild one Wednesday. Yeah. Oh my God. You, 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 we, I used to pleasure. play at Galette's before they like redid it inside. Uh-huh. Have you been there since they redid it? Yeah, we just played down there a few weeks ago. Uh, when the Bomb t- was Tennessee closed. weekend. 
That's that. That's what you were just talking about from the bottom. Yeah. Okay. I'm still pissed off about it. But before they remodeled it in there, they like didn't have heat in there, and they would have that. They had that little stage in the corner, and we yeah. played in there every Thursday night. And there would be like cold air. Just we'd be up in the top room doing like squats and like <laughs> jumping jacks and like push ups to try and warm up before we played for four hours straight. <laughs> Galette, yeah, Galette's is a spot, and then yeah. surprisingly, one of the places that I used to go a bunch, especially as a freshman and sophomore, was Rounders. Rounders, Rounders VIP. Yeah. We yeah. had some times in the Rounders VIP little section. Yeah, our friend Seth does all the lights and stuff there and then those bars like yeah. rounders glass they've turned into like clubs it's yeah. like a full-on club at a yeah, college like, you have to pay a lot to get in like there's like the yeah, covers there's that are a lot fees. i mean i moved to nashville it's like i'm not even have to pay the lines are longer yeah actually i don't i take that back like some of the lines at tuscaloosa can be just as long and you're paying like they're, they're, i will say this you know i played in a lot of college different college markets for a long time um auburn is one of the coolest places ever to play to play, yeah, because it's such. It still has such a small town vibe. There's like one bar. There's like really like three or four bars, but like Sky Bar is the bar to go to. Yeah, there's like one bar that everyone goes. Tuscaloosa is just too much DJ and like stuff. Tuscaloosa has DJ, huh? Tuscaloosa has the best tailgating I've been to though. But the roll tide, you know, roll tide. The quad <laughs> is unbeat, dude. Like, you know, when I went to Auburn, the worst part was you'd be tailgating. And like someone would call you, like, dude, come to this tailgate. And you, okay, drop me a pin. And it's like a 40 minute walk. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to see you today. Yeah. Like, I'll meet you at the stadium. But at, you know, Tuscaloosa, the quad, it's right there. You can walk five minutes to anybody's tailgate that you know. Any fraternity like, house, any yeah. tailgate, yeah. any restaurant, bar. So that's the best tailgate and the most fun I've ever had. Cause, you know, I like to get a little bit you know, <laughs> drunk throw and, and, and kind of walk around. Yard. Like, but at Auburn, you're stuck where you're at. You know, you can't drive. You're drunk. So, like, it's like mm, hanging out with you guys all day. Yeah. That was the biggest thing I realized when I went to uh, – so, we had a bye weekend. And I went to Auburn – or, no, it was my high school. And when I was in high school, I went to Auburn and went to that Waka Flocka concert. I think it was, like, KA at Auburn. And I just was like, dude, we had to Uber to this fraternity house. And then I have to walk. You know, and I'm walking. After I'm drinking a late night, like, I had a weird thing in college where I would drink. I would go out to the bars. And then I would leave. And I wouldn't Uber. Even in Alabama, my place <laughs> yeah. may be like a 10, 15 minute walk. I'd be sprinting. I'd yeah. it. it was like I was training <laughs> when I was drunk. I would like get into this zone. I'm serious, weird. Like I would be, it'd be, I'd be like pretty drunk late night, just sprinting through the streets of Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Like just over and <laughs> freaking over everybody. And I told myself, I'd be like, <laughs> I'm like, you got to keep on going. Show me that you want this, like to work harder. And I'm like, dude, if anyone knew it was going inside my head right now, they would think I was crazy. <laughs> but uh, I'll say I did that at Auburn. Like I remember at Auburn, I walked back, like it was like 45 minute walk. I'm like, what am I doing at this place? It's just a farm everywhere. There's just, you know, just random crap everywhere. I mean, this place is horrible. Walk from Skyward to Fat Daddy's take you three days. Yeah, dude. You'd be coming for a while. Oh, that's great. I've done that. Though. I've walked almost all the way to Fat Daddy's. Yeah, that's awesome. Brutal. Well, dude, this has been great, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. I've, oh, this has been not, look, I've learned more about you guys yeah. in this podcast Same. than I have talking. Same. Now when we know. see each other, we won't be strangers. I know. Yeah. This is awesome. I appreciate great. you guys having me great. on. Thanks for coming, dude. Thank y'all for tuning in to the DM Monday podcast. Please rate and subscribe. Um, also, too, if you are listening on um, Spotify or Apple podcast or whatever, be sure to go check us out on YouTube and uh, see our pretty faces and uh, subscribe. Thank y'all. Peace out. Bet your arms, bet you hold somebody new. Bet your mind don't make about me or you. 
Bitch, your hand don't change that station When the song starts playing that we used to sing along to Bitch, you got an over me and it feels good Bitch, you finally feel like you're out of the woods Bitch, your heart moved on like a heart should Like a heart should Mind it could Does it feel like home when it says your name? Do his eyes make your heart fall like rain? I wonder if his love makes you feel the way Mine never could Bet your arms, bet you hope somebody knew Bet your mind 